Welcome to The Naked Truth. Peace to you. We're going to pick up where we left off at. We're in the book of Revelation, and we're going to be starting with chapter 7, verse 1. If you want to join me now, grab your Bible and you can read along with me. We're going to start. Here we go. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth on the sea or on any tree so this is one of the reasons to me uh, this verse in particular makes puts the whole book of revelation in the question because for one the writing style of this john the person identified as john not sure which john it is is very different from john the baptist and john the apostle the writer uh, you know credit credited with the gospel of john so it doesn't seem like it's either one of those johns um but that doesn't mean there couldn't have been someone someone else named john following jesus to get this revelation but not only that it doesn't line up with a revelation style of revelation of the future because if if you're going to reveal something that is unknown to the people at that time about something futuristic why would you um why would the earth be described as being um for having four corners. If it's going to be revelation, wouldn't the revelation be uh, the circle of the earth, like it says in other parts of the Bible, or even the globe of the earth, or the sphere of the earth, some sort of way that even though they may not have understood it completely at that time, that the earth is round and not flat and having four corners, why wouldn't it say that if it's an actual revelation? So the thing about that to remember is that this isn't red letters. This isn't something Jesus said. It's a, a revelation of someone else in the Bible. So as a Christian, keep that in mind. Um, let me see. So the point of the revelation though, of that part of vision, it seems, is that there's um, a big event about to happen uh, with the angels holding it back, but ready to execute it. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. So whatever reason the earth and the sea are being um, harmed or suffering the wrath, even though really they're the passive uh, part in the picture, it's the humans on the earth that, are, that seem to be doing the damage but it's the earth being um, punished for it. I guess partly because the humans need the earth to make it, um, or at least elements like the earth, because there are other planets that may be inhabitable in time, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So it seems here before the next step in the punishment, judgment, uh, turn of events can happen that certain people among the population have to have a mark placed on them. So some churches will even twist this from on to end. And it seems minor, but it's it's um, significant because in something it's not readily apparent, readily apparent to others, whereas on something is. So if you put something in your car, people won't necessarily know it's there, but if you put something on your car, people can easily see it there. Same thing with in your forehead or on your forehead. If it's just thoughts in your head, who else is really gonna be able to access those but God or some emissary of God? Whereas if it's on your forehead and people can see it, uh, like a tattoo, like uh, anything else you can put on your forehead, like for uh, sunglasses, whatever else it may be you put on you, 
It's so that it can make you identifiable. So it doesn't make sense for this to say in your forehead instead of on, even though some preachers will tell you to ignore your lying eyes and believe whatever it is they tell you. You can feel free to do that, but it seems to me it'd be a mistake. Either way, let's keep moving. Verse four, and I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. So the thing I noticed about that, that doesn't say 144,000 of all creation. So it's like out of 7 billion people, that tiny percentage, although 144,000 sounds like a lot, that's an ultimately a very tiny percentage if we're talking about the entire human population. But so no, it's not talking about that. It's talking about 144,000 specifically out of the tribes of um, the children of Israel, meaning those uh, original patriarchal um, leaders from the old, what we call the Old Testament, um, and then their uh, descendants. It seems to be, it's what it's saying right there. Um, so then verse five, of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed, of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed, of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. So it's one by one naming off the different um, tribes or biblical patriarchs by name uh, that their families descend back to. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. So as always, forgive me if the pronunciation is wrong on any of these. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Uh, so again, it's still just naming them off of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. So it's named off these different 12,000, and it seems that there's 12 of them to make up that 144,000. But what it doesn't really show, what it, if you've noticed there, it does count up, add up to 12, but look who's missing. There's no tribe of Dan. And then um, there's also one more that's missing. There's two that are missing. Let's see, Joseph, Manasseh. Um, because Joseph split it to Ephraim, that's the other one. So, where Ephraim and Dan, and it seems that those two would be significant since Ephraim is the one that leads to Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, and that whole lineage that is included in Jesus's lineage, but then also Dan, uh, that other tribe. So, there's not really 12, there's 14, or depending on how you count Joseph, as one or three. It's not really 12 is the point, but you can see it's talking about a, that specific family branch of the tree. Um, that's how who's gonna be saved, a small percentage. <clears throat> Excuse me. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands. So it's it's saying it's uh, it's the the Bible compilers, people who compile the Bible, at least some versions of it, they have a title over it. This section called the multitude from the great tribulation. So it's letting us know that first section of people who are from that branch of the tree, and then this next section of people uh, is a multitude from other branches of the tree, just like I've said before. Um, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to heaven, it doesn't mean that the Bible, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But then he tells us in Luke 
that um, two people who passed away um, end up in different places. Neither one ends up in what's called heaven or what's called hell. Neither one ends up in uh, the presence of God or in the presence of Satan. Um, and yet Jesus tells us that the way to God, the Father, is through him. So it means it seems to me to say there's room for everyone in God's big picture, no matter what your religion or background or role in life may be. That doesn't mean everyone's going to be at the same place or may go to this, to take the same paths at all. But instead, that there's room for everyone. Um, but only certain ones will go to certain areas of that uh, heavenly realm, depending on where we rank, apparently from our walk with God, our walks, experiences with God. It's the way it seems to me to be unfolding according to the different ways it's all written, of uh, my understanding of it anyway. So now it's saying there's so many people of the rest that it couldn't even be counted. So the first group were from that branch, this group is innumerable and crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So the multitudes beyond the 144,000 who make it there are uh, praising God. And uh, there's it's saying the lamb. So presumably that's Jesus, but we don't assume anything. So let's keep reading. But basically the multitudes are giving glory. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. So they're all just giving glory and, um, and humbling themselves and giving praise, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So that's what they're sort of reciting. That's the praise they're giving. Then one of the, and it's giving praise to God. And let's see, just out of curiosity, how God translates um, at this point in the Bible, because we've read other translations at the beginning of the Bible of what the word God translates back to. Now that we're at the very end of the Bible, let's see how it's being translated. It's because there's different languages. See, so here it's being translated. It translates back to the word God, even with a capital G, translates back to the word theos, as in theology. Um, so, and I believe that's Greek, whereas other parts of the Bible, like in the Old Testament, are uh, not in Greek. They're in other languages. Um, so, verse 13, then one of the elders answered, saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? So, uh, he's, he's, he's having, John here is the uh, writer of Revelation, is the one going, having this encounter, this supernatural odyssey, uh, vision, uh, experience. He's the one experiencing it as a human, and he's encountering one of those uh, entity, entities along the way, helping translate him along the way, sort of a tour guide. And along the way, he's encountering this person who's asking him something about the divine realms, asking him who are the people there in the white robes, as if he'd know. And I said to him, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So of course the person, the tour guide knows, and he's just, I guess, asking, I don't know, asking just maybe to let him know this is something you may want, might want to take note of. So um, in pointing it out to him, he's letting him know that the group of people he saw there in the white robes 
are people who survive what he's calling a great tribulation. Um, and then he says they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So it seems to me they've overcome hard times and um, the blood of the lamb seems to me to be pointing back to Jesus. So Christians who made it through hard times, but as specifically, excuse me, let me have some water. A specific hard time labeled the Great Tribulation. So it seems to me it's talking about most likely the end times, people who've made it through those. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. So it seems that for as a reward for making it through that tribulation, that set of people, separate from the other masses and the specific branches, this set of people it's talking about in this instance, get to have, be in the presence of God in the vision he's having and in the temple. And constantly be right there before God and even dwell among right there with God. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. So that sounds like a place I wouldn't mind being because I'm not one for the heat. So it'd be nice to not have to ever have to wonder where your next meal is coming from or ever have to feel parched and look for water somewhere and not find it, or ever have to deal with the sun beating down on you, uh, making you wrinkled and shrinkled and dealing with all that, it'd be nice. Um, so those people made it to that point and seem to have made it to some transition. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them the living fountains of waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So it seems that the lamb, Jesus, and from my understanding, it, the, this group will be guided by Christ into the presence of God in this um, vision that he's having, this what he's seeing. And um, it seems like that'd be the group to be in. That's a separate group from the other masses that have been seen in the vision and in this chapter. And this chapter is over. I appreciate you checking it out with me. And um, if you'll hold on, I'll start up with Revelation 8 in just a moment. But for index indexing purposes, I'm going to end it here on uh, Anchor, but continue on Zoom uh, just to break it up uh, with the next chapter, which will be Revelation chapter 8, if you want to join me for it. If you're interested in past readings, you can see them on either of the platforms while they last. Or you can, um, if you're an adult, you can go to my website. It's hungtgirl.com. It's free. You can find out about me, the messenger, with the links on the left, body, mind, spirit, and soul, and find out specifically about the naked truth and past readings and significant readings to me on the spirit and then soul pages there and just explore. You can click the pictures. They're actually videos and um, read along with me. You can get a membership, make a donation, or just enjoy the free content. All of the above are very much appreciated. I thank you for it and God bless you for it. And I hope you'll join me again. We have Monday and Wednesday readings where we focus on the Old Testament. Um, and we have the Saturday night readings um, just after around 12.15 in the morning on Sunday mornings, where we focus on the New Testament, specifically on the Gospels meaning. And the, the difference is that those six books of uh, 
of the red letter Christianity that actually have anything Jesus said in them are what should be significant to the world, but absolutely significant to Christians since those are the words that Jesus said, and they only appear in a tie, the tenth of the Bible. So that's what we focus on on Saturday nights and understanding the rest of the Bible, at least the Old Testament so far, and um, on the Mondays and Wednesdays at random times. So join me for those, and feel free to join me uh, in real life if we ever are meant to be. Stay safe. God bless you. Wear your mask. Love your neighbor. And wash your hands. Peace to you. See you soon.